Hi, everybody. Welcome to Fed Talks. I'm your host, EJ Fergles. How's everybody doing? Well, hey. Um, man, I don't have very much planned today. This is going to be off the cuff, which usually means I'll end up talking about TV. Uh, I did hit 50-pound weight loss this week, over the weekend. Um, <laughs> I, I'm reluctant to say this, but what the heck. Uh, as of Friday, I was, I was so close. I mean, like a quarter pound, and I really just wanted to 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 hit that mark and uh you know have that have that victory and <laughs> this is gross but it's a thing that I have to think about now when in terms of weighing in and I realized you know what all I have to do is poop and I'll be there because <laughs> I mean, it was a couple ounces and then I proceeded to not uh not do so for three days <laughs> oh i i already regret saying that uh but yeah i hit 50 um i'm i don't know i'm here's the thing is i realize everything i've done i've realized i uh at this point i still weigh slightly more than season two homer simpson which is which is a bummer. Uh, and I say season two because that's one time they actually clarified, yeah, gave specific numbers, and they've never really done that since then. Uh, and I was telling some friends of mine about that, and I wish I could remember who said it because it was very funny. And they and they just said, "Well, you're so much taller." <laughs> Am I taller than Homer Simpson? I don't know. He kind of dwarfs his children. Um, but that was funny. Uh, hey, here's the thing. This has been on my mind. Uh, and it's slightly different than a point I was going to make a couple of episodes ago when I didn't get around to. But uh, I've been thinking about the comic strip Peanuts. Uh, you know, the one with Charlie Brown and Snoopy. And often when you're a kid, you think the name of the comic strip is Snoopy. But no, it's Peanuts. Uh, it is wonderful. It's my favorite comic strip. I used to be sort of an expert. I mean, I still know a lot about Peanuts, but I used to. I, You know, I read that the big Charles Schultz biography, and I had read all 50 years of the strip in those nice, uh, those nice collections Fantagraphics put out, and I was, I was steeped in lore and behind-the-scenes stories. But uh, it's something I, I always think about. Actually, two things. Uh, one is just kind of funny, especially given what it became, because the, the strip ran for very nearly 50 years. And when it started, like, Charlie Brown was a, a sort of minor character. Uh, it was really about Shermie, Patty, and Violet, who hung around until the end of the... Until the end, you know, they're in all the TV specials and everything, but they don't really have personalities or anything. But they were the original lead characters, and Charlie Brown was the kid that nobody liked. And at some point early on, Charles Schultz said, what if I just made it about the kid nobody likes, rather than these weird little wisecracking kids with no personality? 
But a thing I think about all the time, the very first strip, this is how Peanuts was introduced to, to newspaper readers across the country in the year 1950. Shermie is sitting on, a, like a, sitting on a curb talking to one of the girls, and Charlie Brown is walking past, and Shermie just says, hey, here comes Charlie Brown. And then Charlie Brown is passing them in the next panel, and she was going, yes, sir, good old Charlie Brown. And in the third panel, Charlie Brown is out of sight and Shermie is frowning and saying, how I loathe him. <laughs> Which is a good joke, but imagine that in 1950 on the comics page with those cute little cherubs. Uh, but here's the thing I've been thinking of. It comes to mind a lot uh, because of family history and recent events and such. Uh, but uh, Charles Schultz, who, who did the whole run of peanuts basically by himself he may have had assistance at one point or another but you know as opposed to a lot of those guys who just kind of stamp their name on the finished product he was actively making the strip the entire life of the entire life of the of the series and uh like there was a time and i might misremember that there was a time in the 70s when i think his wife was kidnapped and he still had a strip done every day uh, they weren't especially funny during that stretch. Uh, he did this weird run where sometimes a whole week would just be a building thinking to itself, and I think that was during that time. But the uh, he, he got Parkinson's. Uh, I don't remember exactly when, but he had it for a long time, and nobody really knew it, and uh, people weren't even super clear on what that was for a lot of the time. But... Uh, you know, a lot of people noticed that his his lines were getting kind of shakier, uh, more so than you'd expect from his age. It was, uh, it kind of degenerated very quickly. And there's there's a real a real charm to those those later peanuts, which have kind of a a shakier line because they don't look like anything else. Uh, and it never bothered me the way it bothered some people. It's just like, oh, that's his style now. Uh, but that that was due to his his Parkinson's, and uh, when he was getting ready to wrap the the strip up, uh, when it was coming up on fifty years of of one man making this, which nobody had ever done before, and then the second to last daily strip, and the last one was just like a snoop, uh, sort of a stock picture of Snoopy on his doghouse typing a letter to the reader, thanking them. So that one kind of doesn't count because it's not really. You know, it's typewriter font and existing art. But the the last daily strip, it's a weird, like, single-panel thing about a snowball fight, and it's uh, it's weird in the sense that it's just one panel, and it has it has the joke in a caption, like a, like a Far Side cartoon or something. And it's Snoopy and some of the kids, and there's a big snowball war, and Snoopy looks a little panicked, and it, the, the caption is something like, too late the dog realized his father had never taught him how to make snowballs which is not even really a joke it's just like absurdism which is uh you know a cool thing that that very old man was doing near the end of his career uh i probably he announced his retirement it was because of his his parkinson's where he's getting physically unable to draw so he was just going to end the strip so it's not like he was uh you know there was a there was a real sadness to it and it's also, I think, worth noting that he died the day his last Sunday strip ran. Like, 
just before after the papers have been printed, which is like real professionalism on his part, because then his death isn't a story uh, on the day of the last strip. Never drawn focus that Charles Schultz. Uh, but anyway, so it's, it's a weird little strip. And towards in the last few years, he did some weird things that uh, like might have been a new direction for him. He really got into uh, Linus and Lucy's little brother rerun. And uh, there's a whole thing about him trying to be an underground artist as a six-year-old. It was, you know, just weird kind of experimental. Sometimes it'd just be a whole week when it's like, I don't even know what this guy's going for. It, these aren't jokes in the traditional sense, but I'm very interested that he's doing something new 49 years in. But the reason I think about it a lot is the uh the the caption in that in that strip uh unlike pretty much i'm not aware of it ever happening anywhere else in peanuts unless it was you know snoopy was always typing uh writing his novel and when he was using a typewriter we would see it in in sort of a typewriter font but the the lettering on the caption was computer generated which to me is indescribably sad because he was at the goal line. This was the last daily strip. He had done this himself. He was, you know, and just, just when you think of him physically being unable to, to letter those last 10 or 12 words. And it is, it is, it is heartbreakingly sad to me. And I think about it a lot. Uh, my grandmother suffered from Parkinson's for 30 plus years. And uh, it's just a thing that, uh, I don't, you know, it's one of those things I get a little, little sensitive about. And I'm very sympathetic uh, in those cases. And, you know, I, I, there's just something so, so just brutally sad about that. But the thing that I realize now, I wanted to, I looked up the last strip. I wanted to make sure I, I you know, I didn't remember the details off the top of my head when I, before I looked into it. I remembered a snowball fight. I remembered a caption. I remembered Snoopy being weirdly referred to as the dog. Uh, but in my memory, I remembered it as being handwritten except for the last two words which suddenly shifted to a different font like i have very clear memories of that which to me is even sadder because then it was you know he was uh, you know nine letters away or whatever but it isn't it was the whole thing and i'm not going to say mandela effect because that's a thing people who are too arrogant to think they could misremember something fall back on I couldn't I couldn't have forgotten it it's the universe that is is wrong it was like I remember that so clearly and it's weird that I've had that very specific very detailed memory in my head for so long and uh the actual truth is slightly less sad but still heartbreaking but for something I've thought about so much like maybe I just made it sadder in my head over the years and uh, along the, basically, I'm just thinking about memory and how you maybe make something more important or uh, 
the the Adam West Batman show, um, which one of these days I'm really going to talk about that. I've I have a lot of feelings on that. Uh, and on my old website, I was I was I would spend spend uh, the summer reviewing episodes of it. I was going to try to watch the whole series, and it kind of got derailed by the pandemic and me being depressed. And maybe I'll pick it up again later. Uh, but part of my opinion is that there is a huge drop in quality after the first season. It's goofy as hell in the first season, but there is a a level of quality to it that it rarely approaches later. Uh, but one thing I, uh, I, I remember and that was borne out by later reviewing is... Uh, uh, Frank Gorshin as the Riddler, it's an absolutely tremendous performance. It's weird and kind of scary, and uh, he makes a lot of strange, unpredictable movements, and basically he plays the Riddler the way people play the Joker now, but he was doing it in 1966 on network TV on a goofy-ass show. I mean, he got an Emmy nomination for playing the Riddler. Uh it's it's a performance that's really great and he he wanted more money because he was clearly doing the best job of anybody and they just let him go and so the riddler uh only appears a couple times in season two and he's played by by john astin and frank gorshin doesn't come back until the final season when he does like maybe just one episode so it's really it's really sad but one thing i re that I've always pointed to as an example of of uh, Frank Gorshin uh, doing a really weird and interesting performance is uh, I remember an episode where the Batman and Robin and presumably Batgirl, now that I've figured out which episode it is, she would have been in it too. There's sort of a, a moment where it's some minor villain, but part of the plot then has them at an intersection where their four greatest enemies are each approaching from one side and you get these quick shots of Riddler, Penguin, Batman, uh, Batman, Catwoman and and Joker all sort of slowly approaching them and you know they're all doing their bit and I remember very clearly the Riddler is on all fours crawling forward like Spider-Man would do which is hilarious cuz it's the Riddler and I always point to that as an example of Frank Gorshin making crazy choices. And it turns out in that episode, they couldn't get any of the actors who play the villains for those cameos. And that is just a body double uh, in the Riddler costume. So this this thing I remember is like the iconic moment of, of, of uh, Frank Gorshin, professional weirdo, is just a a stuntman or somebody who somebody on the set who the costume fit it's such a bummer and now I'm afraid to go back and watch it because maybe what he's doing isn't even that cool and I had just made it this big thing in my dumb brain and I guess that's what I'm here to say is you can't trust your brain that's not what I'm here to say at all I don't know I'm old and it's hard and I've always kind of prided myself on my memory and there are 
I mean, these are very small things to remember. The fact that I, they've held them so dear probably means something, but the fact that I remember that wrong probably means I'm losing my mind. Ah, uh, I don't know. If I think about it, I get depressed. I, I, uh, I, I don't want, I don't want to start slipping, man. All I have is my, my brain and my ability to remember things I've seen on TV. But, uh, yeah, that's that's a dumb guy thinking about the fragility of memory, I guess. Uh, if you'd like to see some uh, better discussion of this topic, watch the TV show Rectify, which uh, I think did a really beautiful job uh, addressing these issues in a dramatic fashion. Rectify, Sundance TV. It's probably streaming somewhere. I think it's on AMC+. Uh, I think I have it on DVD uh, because I... For a while, I had every TV show I watched on DVD. That doesn't help you unless you know me and have access to my DVD collection. Um, but, yeah, I'd let you borrow it. Um, boy, that was a lot of nonsense. I almost feel guilty that I, I did that to you. That was That's what happens when I try to make some kind of larger point but I'm not really smart enough, and I also haven't thought it out ahead of time. Uh, I should instead stick to uh, <laughs> stick to talking about movies with superheroes in them, because that stuff I've got on lock, baby. Uh, I did see. I'm I've been on a movie roll. I saw The Northman. The Northman. It's a it's a Viking epic, and. Everybody acts like this director has, like, I should know who this, his name's Robert Eggers. I am not familiar with him, but everybody's, oh, it's Robert Eggers' new movie. And it is a $90 million Viking movie that is weird. It's got all, it's got fantasy scenes, uh, the dead speak. It's got, uh, uh, like, literalization of myth just happening alongside the action of the story. And it's basically this very straightforward story, but it's told in such a way as to be absolutely wild. It is extremely violent. Uh, I might have missed something, but there's a someone has a fantasy about a about a Valkyrie coming to take his soul to Valhalla, and I feel like the Valkyrie in that scene has braces, which is a you know, a weird note, but it's, you know, it's a fantasy sequence about a mythological creature. That's maybe a way of making them, you know, weird and stand out in 800 BC or whatever. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know that I liked it, but I'm glad it exists because it is the fact that this got made and has some famous people in it and dude got a lot of money to make it so something so uh so obviously non-commercial uncommercial whichever sounds better like i don't know what's going to happen to movies and movie theaters in the next few years but the fact that stuff like the northman is still getting made on a massive budget where it would have to you know it would have to open like a marvel movie to to be profitable, I think. And there is no prayer of that happening. It's, I don't know. The last couple movies I've seen that were really weird and experimental, I loved. This one, 
I don't know that I liked it that much, but I'm glad I saw it. I'm happy it exists. Uh, it's it's nuts, man. Uh, also, like one of the Skarsgards is the lead. I cannot remember which Skarsgard is which, and I think there are two separate families of Skarsgards because I think there's a Sarsgard and a Skarsgard. Uh, like I think the guy who plays is Pennywise is maybe... Bill Sarsgaard and this is Stellan Skarsgård. I don't know. I can't keep them straight. I cannot identify them on site. Uh, I kept thinking he was Viggo Mortensen, who is a good twenty years older than than this man. Probably, I was seeing a lot of weird stuff. It was very hard to keep track. Uh, Nicole Kidman is in it. She does a. She's been kind of knocking it out of the park lately. Uh, mostly in like TV miniseries. Uh, this is a good performance, but she has made a big choice for her accent that is not. Uh, I guess it makes sense in the context of the movie, but it's not something you would isolate and go, oh, she really nailed that accent. Uh, <laughs> there's also, there has to be a good way to say this. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy is in it. She has been in about a million things. She was the lead in The Queen's Gambit. Um, I think maybe she was in Split. And I think she was maybe in the New Mutants movie. I feel like I've seen her in a lot of things without really being able to remember them. The Queen's Gambit is the one I remember. But I've seen her in things since then. I have no idea what they are. Uh... Here's here's what I want. I, I'm going to say it on a podcast, uh, but I don't really have any listeners. So, you know, in that way, it's like putting a note in a bottle and uh, eating the bottle, as Sam used to say. Probably still does say. I shouldn't assume he doesn't say it anymore unless he's moved on to better jokes. I don't know. I am thinking that uh, Anya Taylor-Joy might be the most attractive person you can still describe as having a weird face. Uh, if that makes sense. Uh, if a, a weirder face, you couldn't call them attractive. But if they were more attractive, you wouldn't think of their face as weird. So, I don't know. She's like the platonic ideal of weird faces. I don't know. I'm not winning any beauty contests. I have no place to say this, but I always think it and I'm never sure the right time to say it. So now I've said it and we all have to live with the reality of that. It's been said. Um, and now I feel bad. What if, what if this is the one she listens to? What if she's a listener? Holy smokes. You know, I have to have at least one listener. I don't know. Right. I mean, probably I don't, but who knows? Uh, Boy, we're really kind of far into this episode. Uh, um, there's got to be a, a TV thing. Better Call Saul, the new season's happening. New episode is about to air as I'm recording. Uh, it was very difficult to... And if any of the, the, the folks I know as my Sunday friends are listening to this, I am not going to spoil episodes that you haven't seen yet. Uh, I'm specifically going to talk about the process of watching it. Uh, but I get AMC Plus, and 
when the season premiere aired, it aired in two parts, only one of them was actually on AMC+, which is explicitly all of AMC's programming. And I know some of it goes to Netflix eventually, but you'd think, you know, their big show would actually be accessible through the paid app that I am paying for. And instead, trying to click on it takes you to a link to Amazon, which I am also subscribed to. And Amazon then said that I had needed another subscription that I couldn't get through the app. So uh, two different services I'm paying for are, are saying, I don't know how you can possibly watch this show that both of us are hosting. So I panicked and bought the season on iTunes. And then as of the next episode, it was just hitting AMC, uh, hitting AMC Plus just as it started airing uh, in real life. So that was a season purchase down the drain. But I've got to back up if they mess up again. I don't know. I Some of these streaming services, man, I'm, I'm baffled as to what's happening with them. Uh, you know, one show I'm really enjoying is called Slow Horses. It's sort of a, it's sort of an MI6 show, you know, British intelligence, but it's also kind of a workplace drama about the people who are trying to keep the world safe. It's really, it's really interesting. And the, the opening scene is just so gripping. If you watch it, you're like, yep, I'm going to watch this show forever. Uh, and Gary Oldman, who uh, has aged into his name, is in it. Um, and then a lot of British people I can't quite identify, but I know I've seen before. Uh, it's very good, and I have no idea where I'm watching it. It popped up on the screen of my Apple TV, and I just selected it, but I don't know what service I am watching when I watch it. It's just, it might be Amazon, it might be Apple TV. Uh, this is maybe the worst recommendation ever because I have no idea how you can watch the thing that I am enjoying. Uh, I guess if I loan you my Apple TV, it'll probably be on the, still be on the menu screen. Uh, but honestly, I'm not going to loan you my Apple TV and rectify seasons one through three on DVD. You, one or the other. And you're not going to watch them both. I mean, maybe you'll watch them both, just not at the same time. Share the wealth. Um, uh, boy, I have, I have, I have done, slipped the, I've come unhinged. <laughs> I, <laughs> I really had plans for things to talk about and then I couldn't remember any of them. And now I'm just going to, uh, uh, look, well, how about if I just wrap up this episode? I rambled too much. Uh, hopefully I made some good points about memories or weird faces or slow horses, which is very good. If I can figure out what service it's on, I'll let you know. Text me, I'll tell you. Uh, in the meantime, check out our great sponsor, teasebysummer.com. Uh, it is nearing the season of summer. So these are not only teas by summer, they're teas for summer. Uh, 
as a as a much smaller man than I was last summer, I am enjoying the heck out of wearing these t-shirts. I used to be very self-conscious about how I would look in anything that wasn't kind of tenty. Uh, honestly, I almost converted to Islam just so I could, because they have such a uh, such flowy clothes. But I'm I'm just wearing. If I'm not at work, I'm wearing tees by summer, and if I'm at work, I'm drinking from the mugs. It is terrific. Everything there is is great and well-designed, and the shirts are really good quality. They're nice and soft. They feel good. Uh, there are... Look, you get something on Tee Public or Teespring, you, it might be fine. Uh, I, I, I know when, when Tees by Summer was on those locations, uh, they were... It, it was... It was on the higher end of the quality spectrum there, but some uh, like major entertainment providers who are doing their merch on T Public, holy smokes, they're bad. They feel bad to wear. Gross, uh, weird, like hard shirts, or or like the arms are stitched up too high, so it always feels like you're wearing a size that's too small, even when you're not. Or even the design's not centered right. That sort of famously happened with a batch of Hollywood handbook merchandise. Uh, but the tees by summer, everything is... The actual products are high quality. They're, they feel good. They're good to hold. I'm thinking of the mugs. You can hold a shirt, too, if you want. It's nice. It's nice and soft and make you feel good. Uh, the printing is great. The design is immaculate. Uh, just, you're not going to get... You're not going to get a, a better overall product from, from you know, your from your Etsy or, or any of those uh, merch sites. It's just the best. Buy something. Come on, be cool. Be like me. That's what you want to do. Be like me. Put out a rambling episode of a podcast and then tell people what they should wear. Hi, I'm EJ, and this is What to Wear. What to Wear is Teased by Summer. This is TeasedbySummer.com. Thanks. Okay, that's it. Uh, next week, I will come into this with some uh, some material prepared. Uh, there's a possibility of an exciting guest next week. I can't promise anything, and I don't want this to be like when uh, when Blank Check announced James Urbaniak as their guest for an episode about M. Night Shyamalan's The Happening because he wasn't able to make it, and he's never been on the show since then. And... Uh, they they looked like fools, those two guys. So I, I'm not going to do that. Uh, that's my way of saying maybe James Urbaniak will be on the show. Uh, he was just on Better Call Saul. He was very funny. Um, but, uh, hey, uh, my episode of Chapter Surfing, you should check that out. Uh, uh, my friend Lenny has people on to talk about books that were turned into television shows. We talked about... The Elmore Leonard novel Pronto, which introduced Raylan Givens, who is uh, obviously the protagonist of Justified. And I love Justified, and I love Elmore Leonard, and we had a lot of fun talking about that. Uh, so that was that's good. You should check that out. Uh, every other episode seems to have pe- like real guests. Like, some of them are people you've heard of, and... I don't know how I wiggled in there, but it was super fun, and you should listen to that. Uh, it is the most... 
it is probably not the most I've ever talked about Walton Goggins, but the most I've done it on mic. Uh, check that out. You can find me on social media, Twitter at EJ Fettis, Instagram at EJ underscore Fettis, uh, email fedtalks at yahoo.com. Uh, I occasionally post weight loss pictures on Instagram, and every time I do, I lose at least one follower. I don't know what to make of this, but it's very hurtful. Uh, and that is it for now. I uh, hope you had a good week, and I hope you have a good week. I hope this is in the middle of a this is the meat. This is I was gonna say the meat in a in a good week sandwich, but you name the sandwich after the meat. So I hope the good weeks are the bread on on your this episode sandwich. I'll see you later. Fed Talks is a full boys production. Wah, 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 wah.